All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live, a show about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. This season features the Ruckus Makers Roundtables, conversations with uh, excuse me, conversations about questions that matter with friends and fellow travelers from Forward Link, an alumni community for Seth Godin's Alt-MBA and Akimbo workshops. I'm your host, Scott Perry, difference maker at Creative on Purpose and author of Endeavor. I'm an Alt-MBA 6 alum and I'm the head coach team for Akimbo workshops. You can learn more about me and my work at creativeonpurpose.com. Today, I am joined by Avraham Byers and Heather Chauvin. I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your last name, Heather, excuse me, to discuss what does it mean to live the good life. So Avraham and Heather, before we dive into today's discussion, please introduce yourselves to our viewers. Who are you? Which programs have you been a student or participating in? What are you up to these days? And where can people go to learn more about you and your great work? Another moment of tension when somebody has to decide to go first. I'll go first. I don't mind. Uh, so my name's Heather Coven. Actually, nobody gets it right, Scott, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I was in Alt-MBA 19, and I have coached a little for the Alt-MBA um, <clears throat> and run Ship It with Abraham, and am now working in doing some experimentation with accountability groups within um, a variety of different Akimbo programs, um, but most recently within the Story Skills Workshop. Um, my day job, as I call it, would be um, working in professional development around corporate change initiatives with a large physical therapy chain in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and then people can probably the best spot to connect with me if you're in forward link, just direct message me there. Um, where else I can be found out in the world is probably my Medium account where I do some writing. So I think um, if you just search for my unique name on Medium, you will find my Medium page. Fantastic. And my name is Avraham. I came into the Akimbo world through the Alt-MBA. Um, I am also an Alt-MBA coach and the community manager inside Forward Link, which is our uh, community um, here. Just want to give you a little bit of, uh, even, though, even though that is my, my role, I'm here talking to Scott beautifully and Heather. Um, anything I talk about here is not in the role of community manager for Forward Link. So I just want to clarify that. And also, um, co-creator along with Heather with Ship It, which is a space where people get much more productive and get stuff done. Um, and also my daytime job is um, I'm in the financial area of uh, financial coaching, uh, changing financial behaviors and budgeting. Um, you could find more about me through my book I wrote, which is free. It's uh, called yourmagicnumber.com or just type in your magic number into Google and you'll find me there. So download the book for free. Fantastic. Well, we are here to discuss this question in large part, Abraham, because you picked this question. So I'm going to start with you, if that's all right. Um, I'd like at the beginning of these conversations, since we're talking about big ideas and big concepts, let's define our terms. What does it mean or what is the good life and what does it mean to live it? Well, the good life is all about being rich. Of course. That's, that's for sure. You know, being a wealthy person is what is what the good life is. And I'm being serious, is that if you're not wealthy, you're going to be miserable. And, and we know that wealth isn't always about numbers and what's in your bank account, because there is other wealth in your life that is much more important than that. Although that is important, 
but it's not even coming from a financial guy, it's not that important as much as other stuff. So we know that um, thousands and thousands of years of, of, of knowledge, if you've taken old concepts and bring it forward, is that it says in the uh, Pirkei Avos, which is the ethics of your forefathers, which is a thousands of year old document that says that true wealth is being happy with what you got. Because you're not happy with you got, you're not living the good life. And so, Heather, you, you, I think you broke up a little bit, Abraham. Can you just repeat that last point one, one more time? Oh yeah, sure. So, so, um, so, so, true wealth is, is an old document um, that is that is that is thousands of years old, called Ethics of Our Forefathers, and it wrote over there that true wealth is being happy with what you got. Gotcha. Well said. And Heather, I recall a back channel discussion where you said you have a unique angle or perspective on this question. So I'd love to have you define, help, help define our terms. What is the good life? Well, I will dovetail on what Avraham said, because, um, you know, in, in my life, I have, uh, I live with my best friend and he's very, 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 very different from me. Um, and so when we agree on something, we make a life rule out of it because if the two of us can agree on it, it must be good for humanity. And um, <clears throat> one of our life rules is that happiness is a cold beer in a flush toilet. And <laughs> that comes from the fact that if you look, it's a perspective thing. And it's, it dovetails right off what Abraham is saying is happiness is, um, is wanting what you've already got. Um, most people on this giant earth do not have refrigeration and they don't have plumbing. And so if you just stop for a hot minute and say, I get to have a cold beer and I get to flush my toilet, right? Happiness is a cold beer and a flush toilet. So right there is like, I already have it so good. So if I just stopped it, take a minute to realize how good I have it, um, then that, you know, ha- allows, that is um, a big part of the good life. And if you didn't have it, it would be what you thought about all the time. Mm. Well, I love that element. And, you know, my angle is a little bit different because it comes from ancient philosophy, Stoicism in particular, which is an ancient Hellenistic philosophy. And one of the things that um, Epictetus tells his students is to be grateful for what you already possess and that you already possess everything you need to live the good life. And at the heart of, uh, at the heart of that is simply taking responsibility for your role. As human beings, we are uh, we have a, a social prerogative. We are inherently social creatures. Um, that's evolutionary uh, in nature. But at this point, we know for sure. And so, part of our role is to do to be with and for others, and helping the entirety of human beings live a better life, to live the good life. And then, the, then the other for the, the Stokes is just to apply our capacity for reason, which distinguishes humans from from other life to look at things objectively and to do, and to again, do things in accord with justice, to do things for the common good. And so to Abraham's initial point, um, prosperity would be the, the word that I would use. Prosperity really comes from just the effort, the quality of the effort that you're putting forth to be a good citizen, a cosmopolitan, and to help make things better for all concerned. So now that we have solved exactly what we mean by what the good life is, let's talk a little bit about how we go about living a good life or how can we start living a better life? 
a better version of our life in accord with the good life. Boy, this is getting complicated. Well, the one thing I'm, I'm interested in, Scott, and, and I think it's a great roundtable discussion, is the idea of being happy with what you got and also wanting to move yourself forward. Right. And there's sort of like a, a, a tension between those two is saying like, well, if I'm happy with what I got, then I'm not going to move myself forward because I'm, I'm content with what I have. And so I'm just throwing it out as a question. The question I have is that if you're happy with what you got, but you want to move yourself forward, how do those two relate to each other? And which one do you know when to pull out of what pocket at what time? I love it. Well, and I, my perspective on that is part of what you've got is a drive for more. And that is part of what is true and real in the moment. And if you didn't have that drive, you wouldn't be happy. So that certain element of dissatisfaction or drive or desire for more um, is exactly what should be happening for us to perpetuate as a species. So um, understanding that it's when you feel that, it's not that things aren't okay. It's part of what okay looks like. And there's energy behind that that you can embrace um, and you could do that at the same time that you appreciate what you already have. The problem is, is that sometimes we live in that ambition only and we don't balance the two of them and we don't see that ambition as normal. We see it as things not being okay, not the part of what the fun of life is, that drive being part of the fun of life. It's like my life's not okay and I'm not okay, as opposed to everything's fantastic and part of being me is having this drive and this drive is fun. And so I'm going to go down that rabbit hole and that's going to be part of my reality. And that's also wonderful. Mm. I love that. I actually address this question um, in one of my books. And I talk about this balance that human beings, only human beings can hold opposing thoughts in their head at the same time. So the, the, the question that Abraham is asking, how do I balance sufficiency? Everything, including myself, is okay, just as I am and just as things are. And at the same time, I am striving for better, whatever that means. And I think what it comes down to is, you know, we are, we are creatures of the, that, that really love the status quo. We like to know, you know, what's expected and where we stand. And a lot of our biology is about keeping us humble and hiding and just being satisfied with the way things are. And if we stayed in that place, you know, there would, the world would be a worse off place, especially if you were a person of color or a woman or what have you. So I love what you're saying, Heather, about this balance because, and, and I think the balance is actually impossible. You're never going to be exactly, the teeter-totter is never going to be perfectly balanced on that fulcrum. But in any given moment, we can remind ourselves that everything is okay, just as it is, and that so are we. And, and then in another moment, we can say, but there is a possibility here, an edge that I think is worth exploring because I think it will make things better, improve the status quo. And so I'm going to move in that direction, knowing that this might not work, um, but I'm going to do it by finding the others and I'm going to do it by exploring the edges and by not taking myself too seriously and all the things that we talk about, um, you know, in the Akimbo and all MBA universe. Um, that's my little rant. So Abraham, you, you, you asked the question, so you get to address it last. Well, I think I think the idea of of and Scott, you know, this is a fascinating concept. I, ne I never thought about is the idea of having two things going on simultaneously in your head at the same time, like like being able to have two ideas, um, you know, because because you know, there's an old old Jewish saying 
it says you should have two pieces of po- two pieces of paper in your pocket. Um, one piece of paper in each pocket. One piece of paper should you should pull up and say, you know, the world was created for me, right? And the other pocket should be I'm nothing but dust and ashes, right? And you have to know which paper to pull out at what time of your life. But the idea that you have of of having something happen at the same time in your consciousness is very very fascinating. Um, so maybe I was thinking like this: is that so maybe the, there's underpinning understanding of of your philosophy of life. And maybe your philosophy of life could be that, you know, I myself am happy and content with, with where I am right now. That's your philosophy no matter what happens. And that's sort of your underpinning who you are as I'm happy with what I got in my life and where I am, right? But you could also have, like you said, have like this human drive, which makes us beautiful to always want to achieve more. Um, so every place you go to, every plateau and every deep crevice that your life goes to, if you're able to understand your deep philosophy behind it, um, always of that you're happy where you are, but still have this human need to, to move yourself forward. That is a cool, a cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. One other thing that I decided to bring around in, at just a point is a quote that I saw, which is so powerful. Um, I saw it years ago. It's from um, a great rabbi called the Kutzkarebi. That's his name. And, uh, and he said, if I am I, because I am I, and you are you, because you are you, then I am I, and you are you. But if I am I, because you are you, or you are you, because I am I, then I am not I, and you are not you. I love that. Can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's a layer that um, Abraham is kind of introducing that I, I would like to to pursue if it's okay with you both is that you know the human uh, you know the art of living which is what philosophy really is all about um and what this discussion is really all about is um is fraught there will be as a human being you will experience celebrations and triumphs and you will experience travails and failures and to live the good life you can't shy away from the potential misfortune, um, but at, and at the same time, you can't be too attached to the desires that you're pursuing. And so it's this pursuit of, um, I think, this, it's a pursuit of equanimity. Like, how can I remain tranquil, peaceful, joyful, happy, whatever word you want to use, as I'm striving? even as I am experiencing misfortune, obstacles, challenges, et cetera. I'd, I'd love to hear your, your I, I, I definitely have thoughts on this, but I would love to hear your thoughts first. You want to take this one first, Avraham? Yeah, sure. No problem. Now, now you're getting me to go first. You see, it's usually the other way, Heather. I get you to go first and everything. I'm happy to go first. If that, was a, that was a coaching, <laughs> for, those, for, for the kids at home, that's a coaching ninja move. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like the dojo. No, I'm on the ground. Okay, fine. Heather, go ahead. Okay, I will go ahead. Um, I think that it went to you, this is something that um, age has taught me, is, um, <clears throat> is that when I look back, and I see all the times that I failed. Oh, they made me such a much better person. And I've survived all of them. And I've survived all of them as a better person. 
So now when I come to a point where I'm uncomfortable and things are not good, um, they don't feel good. Um, I try to remove the good, bad label Mm. and say, this might be an unpleasant experience in my body and in my mind, but what's going to happen to me on the other end is I'm going to be stronger and more empowered and feel better about myself and have a deeper sense of empathy for more people because I've been through more and I've lived life more fully. You don't live a full life by only having the good things. And so if you can take that, it's definitely unpleasant, but it is not necessarily bad to go through those rough patches in life or to go through those failures. And once you live that enough times and reflect on it, at least this was my experience, um, when I'm in the bad time, bad times or the unpleasant times, there's a different sense around them. It's like, oh, okay, well, this is where I grow and this is where I learn. And then you can start to embrace that, um, those experiences, the growth process and the learning process. And it's just had a little bit less icky to go through it. Okay, Heather, you hit on something that's really, really, I've been thinking a lot lately about. Um, and you know I have because I, um, in the Monday morning meetups inside Ford Link, um, Seth Godin's Akimbo alumni space, um, uh, is a prompt question. Um, and, um, and for the Australian time and the Pacific uh, time, I've, I've brought this question up. Um, the concept of being able to seize the moment that you're in and to understand that you're in a rough spot, but to figure out how that rough spots can translate or possibly could translate something very positive down the road is a, such a powerful tool to have um, in your tool belt. I think there's a big key to happiness, to living a fulfilled life in that one thing you said there, Heather, because the prompt I gave basically is like this, is that imagine yourself in 2023, and you're coming back to talk to yourself now, and you're talking to about a rough patch you're going through right now in your life, and you're going to say to yourself in your first person that you're going to say, okay, like, hey, Avraham, it's Avraham from 2023. Um, I have some good news for you. The good news is, is that you're not any more bald. The bad news is that you have more gray in your beard. But the rough patch that you're going through right now in, for example, I'm going to say example, your business, right, is great because it's going to show you that you shouldn't be in that business anymore because down the road, you're going to be in something brand new. And this is like, but imagine talking to yourself in the moment now, like sort of taking your future self and bringing yourself into now is such a cool exercise and such a cool prompt because it's so easy for us to look in hindsight because it's 2020 to look back and say, oh yeah, that was great because it worked out, you know, because, oh, all these things happened. Now look where I am right now. And it could be anything. It could be uh, financial difficulty. It could be physical difficulty. It could be a, even as dramatic as losing a loved one, which my mother once said that we lost my father in 95. Not, he was 95, 1995. He's only 45 years old when he passed away. And my mother looked back in hindsight and said, you know, that was a terrible thing that I had to go through. And raising a child on my own was, was difficult. I wasn't the easiest child, really. Mm-hmm. That's a little side point. I'm shocked. Shocked, right. It was a little bit wild, but anyways, so, uh, so, but, but she said that, you know, looking back in hindsight, I could see some beautiful things that have come from the death of your father. 
I'm an independent, more independent person now. I, 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 I have my own personality that I've developed that it wouldn't, that wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to develop with your father being there, and as able to become closer to you and have a one-on-one relationship with you. Of course, I want my your father here. Of course, I. But there are benefits. But if you could take those benefits and and, and sort of, I think this is an edge case. You know, um, death is an edge case, but we all have to go through it at some point in our life. But even a smaller thing, for example. Um, I don't know. You can think I'm, I'm sure but a smaller thing. If you could grasp that at this moment and understand now how that could possibly translate, if you look at the positive in that spot and 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 and, and say, okay, here I'm right right now, but it could it's going to turn out okay, and this is how it could turn out okay. Whether it does or not, that doesn't make a difference. But that is a huge key, Heather, what you said to to be able to realize um, and to be and live a happy, fulfilled life. Super important. Yeah, it's different to, it, there's a difference between <clears throat> failing and being terrified and feeling ashamed of failing. And so when you can see failure as it's happening, it's going to happen no matter what, unless I lock myself in the basement and never come out, right? And that's not living. It's going to happen no matter what. And I choose whether or not to live my life in fear or if, um, <clears throat> or or to punish myself for it. I mean, when you start to talk to other people and other people have failed. Like when you start to talk to other people about your failures, I remember this when I started to go through the process of what ended up get, being getting divorced. Um, and I started to talk to people about the problems I was having in my marriage. Everyone had so many problems. They're like, yeah, I almost left, I almost left my partner and blah, blah, blah. All, all, it's always out there. And so letting go, you don't get to opt out of failure. Um, but you can opt out of, uh, of shame around it and you can opt out or learn to opt out of the fear around it. And of course, we're talking about different types of failures. If you feel like you're going to starve, let that fear drive you. But for those listening to this, um, to this, we're probably talking about career failures, maybe some relationship failures, not survival failures. So I think that that fear and shame are definitely optional. Yeah. So you guys are both touching on some really, I think things that are really important here that I just want to stick a pin in and highlight um, to, you know, what you said something earlier, Heather, about value judgment. And I think that's really important. We take ourselves and our situations far too seriously and act as if we are the center of the universe. When in fact, in the grand scheme of things, cosmologically, we don't matter at all. And so speaking to Abraham's point about context, you know, it's again the balance. You, you're the most important thing in your life, and you don't matter at all. Um, the other is what Abraham brought in about perspective, which I think is really important because we get to choose how we frame ourselves in our situation. We don't have to um, respond to our knee jerk or initial impressions that are you know usually based on like ego stuff. So. I think about this part of the equation a lot in terms of equanimity, because like Abraham, I was a little bit of a wild child. Um, and uh, I used to be a person that was very easily frustrated, very quick to anger, um, you know, jealous and all the, the, the negative side of, you know, what the human experiment provides. And in my old age, <laughs> I have become a person that, can help myself experience a greater sense of equanimity, especially when things are going sideways. And I think part of it, so I'm just going to, I'm going to lead with my punchline. My punchline is 
the quality of your effort is the reward because the quality of your effort is a reflection of your virtue, which is a reflection of your character, which is a reflection of your values. And those are the things that I think really matter. So acknowledge, this is what's going on. And to Heather's point, holding it out and saying, I'm looking at this without value judgment. It's not good or bad. It just is what it is. And I'm going to as plainly as I can articulate what's going on. And then after that, to accept, like this is happening. And because acceptance puts us in the here and now where we can actually change our frame and decide what to do next, as opposed to being attached to the past or expectations for the future, which is a road to suffering in either direction. So after we acknowledge and kind of accept that this is what it is, now we can set our aspiration based on choosing to see things a little bit more objectively, deciding on a point on the horizon that is going to um, serve both ourselves and those that we care about, those around us. And then we can, um, then we can act. And I think that those actions are best taken when we affiliate with other people. Uh, And then finally, you know, as after we've taken that next step into possibility towards better, whatever that is, then it's time to start the process all over again. We have to accept where, what, what is going on. We have to acknowledge it as, you know, plainly as we can, but this is to me, the action step is almost the most important one because yes, we have to try to be objective about the way we frame things. We have to be intentional um, and aspirational about you know where we want to go and that our aims are properly motivated and um, you know and in, and that you know there's integrity in that. But it's the forward motion component that will help us move into a better better place and help stave off all the the negative chatter that's chasing us. Um, in that pursuit. So I just went on a little rant. I apologize. I'll go ahead and take, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys take a couple shots back. <laughs> Do I have to go first again, Avraham? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I have two thoughts. Um, one is, um, is in a positive way, The way that our brains work is the more we do something, the more innate it becomes. It becomes a habit. It moves into a different area of the brain. And so uh, I like this idea, Scott, that you talk about of the cycle. It's like, make sure that you're conscious and reflecting and going through that acceptance kind of thing. But um, I started working on a lot of that stuff uh, early on, kind of on accident. Um, But um, I after a while you begin to start from a place of acceptance and from a place of not trying to make it different than what it is, but saying, this is what it is. And I'm not going to spend time lamenting. I wish it could be different. It's like, okay, what's next then? You know, where do I want to go next? And so uh, you never, we do sometimes get lazy and and pop out of that, or we find things that trigger us in a different way, but um, it doesn't always have to be hard and it doesn't always have to be work it starts to become part of the way that your mind works and your perspective works, which is really nice. Um, But I think um, part of living the good life because we are social creatures has so much to do with the way that we interact with other people. And, um, and that is where it gets infinitely tricky because human beings are so complicated. Uh, But another one of my best friends in my life rules, it's, we call it, but me. Um, and this is something that we both stumbled on early, which I think helped us um, be happy people for um, for most of our lives, both of us, is um, 
anything that's going on, any interaction you have, that other person is really not that focused on you. They're focused on themselves. And so when somebody's rude to you and somebody cuts you off in traffic, when somebody doesn't like your presentation, it's like, it's not usually about you. And the If you default to, it's probably not about me, what happens is you open up and step empathetically into that other person's experience so that you can learn what it's about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it becomes this thing where you're hurt much less and you're spending so much more time connecting with other people who are hurt. Because when we lash out at other people, we're hurting in our own way. And so having that one orientation of like, but me, that's what they're saying to you. They're mad at you or whatever's going on with them, but they're like, here's how I feel. Like we call it being above a three on a scale of one to 10. If you're above a three, your own baggage is involved. So the second you're above a three or somebody else is above a three, like on a scale of emotional arousal, right? If you're beyond like the eye roll, like, oh, humans, we're ridiculous. You know, once you're above that, it's like, oh, I feel vulnerable or I feel shame. I'm worried about being kicked out of the tribe, whatever it is. When somebody else is above a three, what's taking them above a three? Because it's not you. You're just another dorky human being who screws up all the time. They should be rolling their eyes at you if you've really done something. Mm -hmm. And if it's not that, what's going on with them? If you can connect with that, that is where you move past roadblocks and and build better functioning relationships, even if it's with somebody you don't particularly enjoy. Once you can see them as that human and once you start listening for whatever's going on with them, it changes the nature of all interactions. So, and it takes that pressure off of you to perform and to be the best in them and, and make sure everybody likes you and make sure what, whatever it is, right? It's like, no, they're busy worrying about themselves. They don't care that you have a piece of lettuce in your teeth, really. Not really. Maybe a little bit. That's kind of gross, but I wouldn't judge somebody for that. Wow. So what I'm hearing, Heather, is, is two, two ideas. The first idea is interaction in life with other people um, that that sometimes things happen in your, in your life and, and, and it might not be against you per se. Like it's just general people in their own little world um, doing their own thing and they don't mean to be rude to you, but that's just uh, what's happened. Something's gone in their life at that time and something happened. And therefore um, you've been, and then the other thing is, is that, you know, stop caring so much about yourself because nobody cares about you that much as you do. I am not idea? saying that. <laughs> You I'm should absolutely, you, you should be number one for you, right? Not that you're out. better than anyone else, but you have the most impact and the most responsibility for yourself. So you should care deeply about yourself, well, but don't stop there. Yeah. So I love everything that you just said, Heather. And I mean, I'm, what I'm hearing too is invitation. Like all these things are invitations that you don't have to accept. Like shame is an invitation. You can accept it and bring it in for coffee and an overnight. Or you can say, sorry, not time for you today. Um, and I love that frame. So I have this, the, the, the shortest answer I have for the little rant I went on earlier is, what's now, what's next, and what's it for? Like, what's going on right now? Where do I want to go next? And you know, what's the reason? What's the aim? What's the intention? What's the motivation there? And if I can do that quickly, um, you know, Speaking to your other point, Heather, about conscious and unconscious, we're talking about habits, habitual behaviors, habitual attitudes, habitual ways of being. And we forget, I think, how really 
simple it is to change your mind. It is very simple to change your mind. You have the capacity, you have the control of your thoughts to say, I don't have to think this way anymore. I can think that way. The problem with the fact that that's so simple is that it's not easy because speaking to your other point, we're complicated and we're complicated dealing with other complicated human beings that we don't really have much choice about whether or not we're going to be engaging um, on a day-to-day basis. And so- Well, but Scott, when you talk about it being simple, but if you have built a habit around feeling shame, it isn't, it might be simple. Oh, it's not easy. That's right? what I'm saying. So that's just exactly that you can have a saying. positive habit develop from acceptance. If you've played with shame for too long, it's, it's kind of rooted in there. And even when you make a conscious choice to let it go, that tape will play even yeah. though you've decided to go a different direction. And so catching it and breaking that habit um, can be really tricky. So simple, Absolutely. but not necessarily easy, depending on the patterns that you've developed yeah. in the past. If I, if I didn't say it's simple, but not easy, that's exactly what I intended to say. Um, because I think that's, you're absolutely right, because habits are hard to break and the habits are hard to form. And it's this conscious unconscious. We spend 80% of our life doing things unconsciously. And so that idea of like paying, like, what are you paying attention to? I think that matters a lot. If you're paying attention to all the things that are helping fuel your shame, your guilt, your doubt, your fear, your imposter, you know, if that's what you're focusing on, it's going to be really hard to feel a sense of joy, thriving and prosperity in your life. At the same time, if you're folk, if you pay enough attention to that, to recognize what's going on, and to, you know, there's that Viktor Frankl quote that he actually never said between stimulus and response, there is a pause. And in that spot, um, in that pause is your power. And in, in that power lies your freedom, right? It's like s- recognizing what's going on, inserting the pause, and then coming up with a strategy for how you can find a better way, or at the very least avoid going down your usual rabbit holes. You know, and sometimes like in interpersonal stuff, it's just like recognizing that I don't have to respond. Like I don't have to do anything here. Um, I want to bring up one last point as we're kind of going into closing around this idea of us being social creatures. I have this idea that, that helps me that I stole from Stoic philosophy, which is everybody's doing the best they can and everybody thinks that they're right. Yes, we do have full-blown, scientifically provable, you know, we can we can say that there are psychopaths and sociopaths that are outside of the spectrum, but that's a rare thing. Most of us are doing our, I have a thing in the back there that you can't see it, but it says a little good, a little bad, like most folks. And that's just, you know, we have that in all of us. And sometimes we think that we're doing the right thing when in fact we are ignorant and doing the wrong thing. And other people are doing the same thing. And just that, so your point about empathy, Heather, having the empathy to recognize that everybody else is having the same struggles and the same conversations and dealing with the same things that I'm dealing with, and they're doing the best they can, has really helped me practice that empathy on myself as well, which is, um, I think, the hardest thing for most human beings is like, we, we tend to think of empathy as this outward thing that we're having with somebody else or for somebody else. But the most difficult conversations around empathy are actually the ones often in our own head and the ones that prohibit us from taking the the next step, which is compassion 
for ourselves, to help ourselves become better versions of ourselves so we can be better versions of ourselves for within for other people. So I just would love to hear your close with your thoughts and strategies around this. Like, how do you, how do you maintain that level of equanimity when you yourself are a flawed vessel surrounded by other flawed vessels? Well, I always define myself, Scott, as a uh, PPWL. I'm a uh, perfect person with lapses. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and so I think, I think in life is to understand that obviously you're not perfect. Like nobody thinks they're perfect. Well, maybe some people do, but that's a separate issue. Like you talked about earlier, but to understand that incrementally, um, I'm going to wrap up to my original topic was the concept of, of true wealth, which is being happy with what you got. Um, and I also want to tie in your thread that is so successful inside for the Ford link community. Um, of gratitude, mm-hmm. and 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 for all of you that don't know, uh, Scott has an amazing thread inside inside Ford Link. It's over thirteen hundred uh, posts. That means thirteen hundred times people thought about gratitude, something that they should be gracious for in their life or think of uh, in a positive way in their life, which is amazing. So, if you really look around. Um, you know, you have abilities, all these things that, 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 you know, anything is you can be grateful for, for, you know, down to breathing, right? You just be able to breathe, you can be grateful for. And nobody, nobody has a perfect life. But if you could break into your day and create a time, it doesn't have to be a time every day, but it could be, let's say you're walking and there's two street posts, right? There's a street post and another, like a, what's called a street lamp, what are they called? Mm -hmm. They call it the street signpost. Yeah. Yeah. A signpost. Okay, there's there's a there's a stop sign. And there's a, another sign down the street you're walking by. Maybe it's gonna take you 30 seconds to walk between those two posts. Take that 30 seconds from one street light to the next street light while you're walking, just to think of two things to be grateful for in your life. Because that is what I think is the key is to is to unleash and to bring out. And to pause in your life just to think about two things we're grateful for. And that's why, and I just want to just share my gratitude here and why I think I'm the richest guy in the world, besides all the other great things I have in my family and all the great things I have in my life right now. Um, besides the, you know, any monetary uh, stuff aside, um, just the, 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 so I'm, I'm thankful first off to, uh, for Scott, for you, for you hosting us over here. I want to thank you for that. That is super, super. Uh, gracious for you and, and to share us with your community. Thank you for that. And also Heather and I um, have worked on multiple projects in the past. Um, we are definitely like the yin and yang of things. We are definitely not the same, but but the fact that we can still work on multiple projects together at such a uh, an easy level and just understand each other, I'm over grateful for. So that is my conclusion. Um, that is my one I just I just see my 30 seconds right now of gratitude. I'm going to go down to Ford Link, Scott, after this is over. Um, and I'm going to post that in my gratitude for today. So thank Good you boy. so much. Nice. nice. And I have to second all of that. In fact, Avraham, I told my partner, Jim, I was like, you have to find yourself in Avraham. <laughs> You're, I made you like this concept, right? You're going to make it into our life rules somewhere, I think. Find yourself in Avraham. <laughs> yeah, but no, um, I... Um, I love it. And I'm kind of, um, I think that wanting what you've already got and embracing that 
desire for more for what it is, which is not, I won't be happy until, but I am happy because I want more and I have something to fire me up and to strive for. So I I think that's really um, kind of the uh, perspective to take to not live only in the ambition, but allow them to be there together. It's the difference between, um, so this would be another uh, life rule of ours, which is act like you own it. So there's, you live differently in an apartment that you're renting than in a condo or a house that you've purchased. And how do you spend your time there and how do you conceptualize it? So if I'm in this job and all I spend my time doing is thinking about the next job, I'm going to be living in a crappy old apartment and I'm never going to put anything on the wall and I'm never going to fix anything that breaks. And it's just going to be a miserable dump. But if I'm like, I own this place and it's a representation of who I am. I have this job and it might not be my favorite job and I might want a different job. But this is, I'm going to act like I own it and it becomes something totally different. And you allow yourself that 10 or 20% to be ambition to go somewhere else that needs to stay there, right? Or maybe it's 40%, whatever it is. But you take that, take a big piece of that space of where you are now and act like you own it and treat it as such. It is a representation. Every moment of your life is a representation of who you are. And if you only live in the future, then you do a great disservice to who you are in this moment and you never get to actually live in the future. It's a fantasy. So we can make decisions to move in a direction, but what you never get to let go of is who you are in that moment. And so act like you own it and have it that be a representation of the best version of yourself as often as you can. I love it. I'm going to pick up on, I'm going to conclude my thoughts with the thing that you just put out there, Heather, which is presence. But I first want to um, articulate Abraham's point again. The quickest way to change your mind, the science shows, is to express gratitude for what you already have. That there's study after study that says gratitude is the easiest thing that you can do and will will increase your sense of well-being by the greatest amount. Um, And I love what you were saying, Heather, about agency. Being the steward of your own journey, being the agent of your destiny. Um, And so... I have a thing, but I say, so I can't remember exactly what PPWL was, Avraham. Perfect person with lapses. Perfect person with lapses. Because I I have this thing that I say that when people say, how are you doing or how are things? I say perfect in every way, which I guess means according to Avraham's definition, I need some psychological help. But what I mean by that is that things are perfect in every way and I am perfect in every way because this is the way it is right now in this present moment I am who I am and it is what it is this is me this is the situation and now is my opportunity to engage in a way to engage with my better angels and with my you know better self best self that I'm capable of bringing to the equation in an effort to make things better with and for the people that I happen to be surrounded by and so um It turns out that being perfect in every way helps me step into another situation where things miraculously are perfect, perfect in every way. And again, the idea of forward motion, continuing to move. Wow. I have been looking forward to this discussion ever since we started these, which was nine discussions ago, nine weeks ago, we started these discussions. We still have a few left. I don't want them to ever end, but they must so that we can have that sense of appreciation for the moments that we are spending together. But Abraham and Heather, I can't thank you enough for um, not not only meeting my expectations for this conversation, but blowing them out of the water. This was fantastic. Thank you for 
your time here, but more importantly, thank you both for all the great work that you're doing out in the world in ForwardLink and beyond. Thank right you, Scott, you, Scott, for having us. <clears throat> Thanks Ooh. for creating the space for this kind of conversation. I think it's really important.